0: Welcome back to the MedBullets Step 2 and 3 podcast. On today's episode, we'll go over the topic of otitis externa from the ear, nose, and throat section on MedBullets.com. Let's start this episode with a clinical snapshot. A 12-year-old boy presents to his pediatrician for ear pain. His ear pain began approximately five days ago and is associated with ear itching and mild hearing difficulty. His past medical history is unremarkable. He recently joined the swimming team of his school. Physical examination is notable for otalgia with palpation of the tragus and traction of the pinna. There is mild edema and swelling of the external auditory canal with poor visualization of the tympanic membrane. His ear is cleaned and is started on topical hydrocortisone and ciprofloxacin. This patient was diagnosed with otitis externa. Now let's get into the episode. As a quick introduction, the definition of otitis externa is inflammation of the external ear canal. With respect to epidemiology, as far as incidence of otitis externa, acute uncomplicated otitis externa is most common in children. Malignant otitis externa is more common in immunocompromised patients, for example in elderly patients, patients with diabetes, HIV, and patients on immunosuppressants. Risk factors include prolonged swimming. As far as the etiology of otitis externa, Pseudomonas aeruginosa is the most common organism implicated, and then Staphylococcus aureus. In terms of pathogenesis, note that disruption of protective barriers, for example, skin or cerumen, within the external ear canal leads to cellulitis. Note that cerumen creates an acidic environment that impairs bacterial and fungal growth. Inflammation and edema in the external ear creates a favorable environment for bacterial growth. This is because impaired cerumen and epithelial migration makes the pH of the external ear more alkalotic. Now, let's talk about the presentation of otitis externa. Symptoms can include pruritus, otalgia, and hearing loss. On physical exam, there may be pain with manipulation slash pulling of the ear. As far as making the diagnosis of otitis externa, this is a clinical diagnosis. Moving on to the differential diagnosis for otitis externa, the ones to know include otomycosis, contact dermatitis, and perichondritis. The differentiating factors between otomycosis and otitis externa is that otomycosis involves fungal filaments and spores that appear like mold growing under magnified vision. Differentiating factors between contact dermatitis and otitis externa is that contact dermatitis will have a lack of response to appropriate treatment to otitis externa. Finally, perichondritis is infection of the connective tissue of the ear that involves the cartilage. Management involves anti-pseudomonal antibiotics, plus or minus incision and drainage. Moving on to the treatment of otitis externa, this can be conservative or medical. Conservative treatment includes cleaning the external ear, which is the first step in management, and involves removing cerumen, desquamated skin, and purulent material from the ear canal. This facilitates penetration of eardrops and healing. Medical management includes topical medications and systemic antibiotics. Topical medications are indicated in mild disease with acetic acid and hydrocortisone. In moderate disease, you can use hydrocortisone and ciprofloxacin or hydrocortisone and neomycin and polymyxin. Topical medications in the setting of severe disease are the same as moderate disease but will include a wick that is placed in the ear canal. Systemic antibiotics are indicated in the setting of an infection that extends beyond the external auditory canal and in immunocompromised patients. Keep in mind that in this setting, topical antibiotics are also given, and examples of systemic antibiotics that are used include the quinolones. Complications of otitis externa includes malignant otitis externa, which is most commonly seen in immunocompromised patients. It is caused by the spread of the infection to the bone and marrow from the skin, and the diagnosis is supported by CT and MRI findings of bone involvement. Okay, so now that we've gone over the major points about this topic, let's go over a few questions to apply the information and get a sense of how this topic has been tested on past exams. First question. A 55-year-old man presents to his primary care physician with ear pain. The patient states he has had worsening ear pain for the past two days. He describes his pain as nine out of 10. The patient has a past medical history of diabetes, obesity, and hypertension. His current medications include insulin, metformin, lisinopril, aspirin, and atorvastatin. His temperature is 100.5 degrees Fahrenheit or 38.1 degrees Celsius. Blood pressure is 177 over 99 millimeters of mercury. Pulse is 100 per minute. Respirations are 19 per minute. And oxygen saturation is 98% on room air. Physical exam reveals a purulent drainage from the ear canal. Manipulation of the ear causes severe pain. Which of the following is the most likely infectious agent? And the choices are 1. Haemophilus influenza; 2. Moraxella catarrhalis, 3. Pseudomonas aeruginosa, 4. Staphylococcus aureus, and 5. Streptococcus pneumoniae. The correct answer to this question is 3. Pseudomonas aeruginosa. So this patient is presenting with symptoms suggestive of malignant otitis externa, which is most likely caused by Pseudomonas aeruginosa. To quickly review, malignant otitis externa presents in an elderly, diabetic, or immunosuppressed patient with severe ear pain and purulent ear drainage with granulation tissue in the ear canal. Pain will be worse at night and can be elicited by percussing the mastoid process. This pathology differs from otitis externa, which typically occurs secondary to repeat rinsing of the ear canal, usually due to swimming, in a younger population with less severe symptoms. The most likely causal organism of malignant otitis externa is Pseudomonas aeruginosa. CT scan, debridement, and antibiotics are the mainstay of treatment. To quickly go over the incorrect answers, haemophilus influenza, moraxella catarrhalis, and streptococcus pneumoniae are the most common causes of otitis media, which typically presents with an erythematous and distended tympanic membrane. Staphylococcus aureus is a less common cause of otitis externa. To leave you with a bullet summary, Pseudomonas aeruginosa is the most common infectious agent that causes malignant otitis externa. Moving on to the next question, A 70-year-old man presents to his primary care physician for ear pain. The patient states that he has had ear pain for the past several days that seems to be worsening. The patient lives in a retirement home and previously worked as a banker. The patient currently is active, swims every day, and drinks three to four glasses of whiskey at night. There have been multiple cases of the common cold that is retirement community. The patient has a past medical history of myocardial infarction, Alzheimer's, dementia, diabetes, hypertension, vascular claudication, and anxiety. His current medications include insulin, metformin, aspirin, metoprolol, lisinopril, and buspirone. His temperature is 99.5 degrees Fahrenheit or 37.5 degrees Celsius. Blood pressure is 167 over 108 millimeters of mercury. Pulse is 102 per minute. Respirations are 17 per minute. And oxygen saturation is 98% on room air. Cardiopulmonary exam is within normal limits. Head, eye, ear, nose, and throat exam is notable for tenderness over the left mastoid process. Abdominal and musculoskeletal exam are within normal limits. Which of the following is the best management for this patient's condition? And the choices are 1. Acetic acid drops, 2. Amoxicillin, 3. Amoxicillin clavulonic acid, 4. Ciprofloxacin, and 5. Observation. The correct answer to this question is 4. Ciprofloxacin. So this diabetic patient is presenting with ear pain and tenderness over the mastoid process suggesting a diagnosis of malignant otitis externa. The best treatment for this condition is ciprofloxacin. To quickly review, malignant otitis externa typically occurs in immunosuppressed individuals such as those with HIV or diabetes and presents with severe ear pain, purulent drainage, and sometimes tenderness of the bony structures surrounding the ear canal. Any patient presenting with these symptoms or what appears to be a middle ear infection with risk factors of immunosuppression should be worked up further for malignant otitis externa. This can include a head CT and anti-pseudomonal antibiotics such as ciprofloxacin, ceftazidime, ticarcillin-clavulanate, gentamicin, and piperacillin tazobactam. To quickly go over the incorrect answers, answer 1, acetic acid drops, would be the appropriate management of a simple otitis externa, which typically presents in young patients who wash out the protective cerumen in their ear with swimming. Answer 2, amoxicillin, and answer 3, amoxicillin clavulanic acid, are appropriate antibiotics for management of otitis media. This patient's symptoms and mastoid process tenderness suggest a diagnosis of malignant otitis externa. Finally, answer five, observation would be inappropriate in this immunosuppressed patient with malignant otitis externa. To leave you with the bullet summary, malignant otitis externa is best managed with anti-pseudomonal antibiotics such as ciprofloxacin. And moving on to the final question, a 60-year-old diabetic male presents to your clinic for right ear pain. The patient reports noting worsening right ear pain for three weeks, purulent otorrhea initially, which is resolved, and facial asymmetry for the past several days. He reports being poorly compliant with his diabetes medication regimen. His temperature is 100.4 degrees Fahrenheit or 38 degrees Celsius, blood pressure is 140 over 90 millimeters of mercury, pulse is 90 per minute, and respirations are 18 per minute. On physical exam, the patient's right external auditory canal is noted to have granulation tissue at the bony cartilaginous junction. He is also noted to have right facial droop. Which of the following is the best next step in treatment? And the choices are 1. Oral amoxicillin clovulonic acid for 10 days, 2. Intravenous ciprofloxacin for 6 weeks, 3. Topical polymyxin and neosporin for 14 days, 4. Hyperbaric oxygen treatment for 4 weeks, and 5. Surgical intervention. The correct answer to this question is 2. Intravenous ciprofloxacin for 6 weeks. So the patient's presentation is most consistent with malignant otitis externa, which is a condition that carries significant morbidity and mortality. The most appropriate treatment given the patient's cranial nerve involvement is long-term intravenous antibiotics, with fluoroquinolones being the most common first-line treatment. Malignant otitis externa is a complication of otitis externa, which involves the external auditory canal and temporal bone. Diabetics and the immunocompromised are most commonly affected, and thus clinicians should have a high index of suspicion for malignant otitis externa when evaluating these patients. Like uncomplicated otitis externa, the most common pathogen involved is pseudomonas. On exam, granulation tissue at the bony cartilaginous junction of the external auditory canal is pathognomonic for malignant otitis externa, although biopsy should be performed to rule out malignancy. Additionally, involvement of cranial nerves should raise clinical suspicion for malignant otitis externa. Hansel and Halperin discuss the pathogenesis and presentation of malignant otitis externa as well as imaging modalities in its diagnosis. Specifically, a technetium nuclear medicine bone scan is useful for the initial diagnosis, while gallium scintography is useful for monitoring improvement with treatment. While long-term antibiotics is the mainstay of treatment, adjuvant therapies have been studied including hyperbaric oxygen therapy. Carfrey and Kesser provide a comprehensive review of malignant otitis externa including treatment with hyperbaric oxygen. While it has been commonly reported in the literature, systematic reviews have been inconclusive and require additional studies. Long-term oral antibiotics have also been used in less complicated cases of malignant otitis externa to good effect. To quickly go over the incorrect answers, answer 1, amoxicillin is not effective against pseudomonas. Additionally, a 10-day course of antibiotic treatment is not sufficient to treat malignant otitis externa. Answer three, topical polymyxin is a first-line treatment for acute bacterial otitis externa, but cannot be used in cases of malignant otitis externa. Answer four, hyperbaric oxygen treatment can be considered as adjuvant therapy, but should not be used as first-line treatment. And finally, answer five, surgical intervention is typically a last resort in malignant otitis externa and should not be first-line treatment. That's all for this review about otitis externa. Hopefully that was helpful. This is the MedBullet Step 2 and 3 podcast, a daily audio review session by MedBullets, the free learning and collaboration community for medical student education. Keep in mind that these podcasts are designed to go along with the topics on medbullets.com, and in fact, you can listen to these episodes right on the MedBullets website or mobile app while going through the topic. If you've gotten any value from the MedBullet Step 2 and 3 podcast so far, please consider leaving us a five-star rating and writing us a review on Apple Podcasts. It will help us spread the word and increase our discoverability tremendously. Also, if you aren't already, be sure to follow MedBullets on Facebook, Instagram, and Twitter for daily high-yield content. Thanks for tuning in. We'll see you all tomorrow, right here on the MedBullets Step 2 and 3 podcast.